indolent. He this quality surfaces in all human between human beings between 6 p.m. and 4 a.m. Rajas, active, full of passion, agitation, frenzied activity. I gotta go here, I gotta go there. Don't don't um, disturb me. I need to do all these things today. Frenzied activity surfaces between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. in all human beings. And then the highest quality is sattva. The sattvic person is contemplative, calm, level-headed, poised, serene. This quality surfaces between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. when everyone's still sleeping. So each guna has a different quality. And every human being is made up of these three qualities in different proportions. And this explains why all human beings are different. Everyone has a different nature because of these three qualities. Even twins, you'll find both have different nature. So when you progress on the spiritual path, you reduce your tamas, you reduce your rajas to reach the state of sattva. That's the goal. You need to become a sattvic person. Then you can contemplate on the self, the reality. You can then reach a state of trans-sattva. means you're trans from the world to a state of desirelessness, which is self-realization. No desires. And the main difference between these temperaments is tamas operates at the level of the body, rajas operates at the level of the mind, and sattva at the level of the intellect. And only a human being can change their nature because only human beings have a choice in action. That's why you're, out of all the creatures in the world, humans are at the highest. Because we have a choice in action, we can decide what we want to do. Verse 46 was said, the Vedas are used by all three different types of spiritual seekers in order to reach the state of self-realization. The Vedas, this knowledge. Once a person has become self-realized, they no longer have any need for this knowledge, for the Vedas. And the knowledge gained in the Vedas has served its purpose. You have reached your goal. That's it. That was last, last class in a nutshell. Any questions? All clear, Damesh? Right. So today, uh, class 21. So let me get rid of this. Class 21 today, we're going to start from verse 47 to 49. In chapter two, the verses are quite deep. So we take a very, maybe only two or three verses in each class because they're quite terse, they're quite difficult to understand. In chapter one, we took eight, nine verses in one go because they were straightforward, simple. Now this verse 47 is very famous because it lays down the path of action. If you understand the next few verses, you know Karma Yoga. So we'll start with verse 47. Karman Yevadikaraste Makalesu Kadachana Makarmakalahetu Gur Mate Sangosta Karmani Karman Yevadikaraste Makalesu Kadachana Mate 
Your right is in action only, never to the fruits. Let not the fruit of action be your motive, nor let your attachment be to inaction. Remember what we said, fruits means the result of the action. So, very important verse this. The law of life is everyone must act. We, as a human being, are designed to act. That's why we have a body with arms and legs, a mouth to speak, a brain. If we don't act and become lazy, damasic, idle, then we devolve, we perish. Ultimately, we destroy ourselves, physically and mentally. See, during COVID time, everyone was at home. People are devolving. So much mental illnesses. Why? No action. People put on so much weight, physically inactive. No action. There's so much you can do in the house. So you start perishing, physically and mentally, they say. You think of nature, a pond, left with no running water. What happens to it? What happens to a pond? No running water. Ultimately, what happens? Hmm? What happens to a pond? This isn't a Vedantic question. Shashi. It dries out. Dries out. Before it dries out, it smells, becomes dirty, no life, and ultimately dries out, dies. Now you compare that to a river. What's the river like? Flowing water, fresh water, clean, flowing with life. You can even put your hand in there and drink it. That's the difference. Same in human beings. So if action is life, inaction is death. So if you have to act, then how should you act? What is a correct action? We already said, acting without desires. How do we do this? So, Krishna says, perform the right action, says to Arjuna. We're going to go through what is right action. I've got a list here. Right action is doing your obligatory duty. Should not be driven by desire-ridden actions. Number two, all action should be performed, dedicated to a higher ideal. What is a higher ideal? Beyond your selfishness, beyond your personal desires. First, have small goals. Your family, your community, your neighborhood. Then expand that, your country, all humanity, all animals and all living beings. You don't have to go out and do anything. It's just identifying with that. Then ultimately, highest goal, self-realization. These are the steps. Number four. Concentrate on the action alone. Don't worry about the result. Why? Why not to worry about the result? Any idea? Why should you not worry about the result? Damesh? You waste your energy doing it. Worrying about something that's going to happen or may happen. Instead of worrying about performing the action to the most effective way you can. What wastes the energy? The mind. Thinking oh, of the thank you. 
Thank you, Dharmesh. Don't worry a bit about the result. Why? Because Dharmesh said, if you keep thinking of the result, you're constantly mentally agitated. And if you're agitated, you cannot act properly. Action is spoiled. It's spoiled because you're not concentrating. How can you act properly? I've given this example before. You can put this example to anything. If you're making a cake, someone orders a cake from you. If you keep thinking about how it will come out, what will the person think of the cake? Will they like it or not? Will they order another one afterwards? How will you be able to concentrate on making the cake? Your thoughts are on the result. Before you know it, you put the incorrect amount of sugar, flour, set the wrong temperature on the oven, left it too long in the oven. The result will be bad. But if you just focus on the cake itself and how to make it, the result is automatically going to be correct. So Krishna says, don't think about the result. Just concentrate on the action itself. If we do that, we will get the right result. The cake will come out perfect. Any questions? Yeah, Arunabhan. So my question is, what happens when you've performed your action, just focusing on that alone, but the outcome is not the way that, so for example, the person doesn't enjoy the cake and tells you that, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with it? It depends on how perfect your action was. If you put in the correct action, you made did everything perfectly, yeah? Their likes and dislikes has nothing to do with you. You've done your job perfectly. They may not like the cake because whatever reason. Yeah? But you've made the perfect cake based on the um, recipe. That's all you can do. So what you're saying that even though the outcome might not be one that looks favorable to yourself, you still need to just focus yourself. on the action uh, in every respect, in, in, every in every action. Yeah. Put your mind on the action itself. Yeah. Now, if the result wasn't favorable to for you even, yes, you think, you know what, don't like this, what this has come out like. It shouldn't be like this. Then maybe you've overstretched yourself. Maybe you're not... You don't have the ability yet. You need to put in more practice. That is also a possibility. Yeah. And also, there are other things. The flower. Maybe the flower was different this time. It was a different make. You couldn't find the right flower. Yeah. The butter you used was of a different make. You have no control over that. Do you? I was also thinking that is it the ego then that comes in the way because you think, oh, somebody didn't like something that you did, but it's your ego that's affected. So then maybe we should just say, right, okay, practice on it and maybe next time there'll be a better outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, how many cakes have you made before? This might be your first cake. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> It depends, and you may think it needs to be perfect. How can it be if it's your first time? Don't be result oriented. That's all. Focus on the action. That's it. No matter what you are doing. This is just a simple example. In your heart, you know you've done 100%. You can't do any more. Any other questions? So, number five, strive and struggle not to succeed. What does that mean? Strive to struggle not to succeed, which is opposite of what everyone else says. What, what does that mean? Any idea? 
I could not get my head around this one before. When I, what do you mean strive to struggle not to succeed? What does that make sense? <laughs> Any idea? Strive and struggle not to succeed. So what that means is, it means keep moving forward until you get to the ultimate goal. If your ultimate goal is the highest. Don't think, okay, I've achieved my limited goal. Now I will chill. I'll retire. I've made millions. I'll retire now. Keep going, no matter what age you are, what state you are in. Just keep moving forward. Never think you've got there. Never sit down and think, I've made it. That's it. No, you haven't made it. Strive to struggle not to succeed. It means keep putting in the effort. Last week I mentioned, don't look at life as only this birth. Look at life as a series of births and deaths, as one journey. From your first birth until your last birth, when you ultimately reach your goal of self-realization. See it as one, one span. If you think like this, then your journey is beginning now. You need to carry on acting till your last breath of this life. Then continue your journey in the next life. We, our mind only thinks of this life. No. Even if you don't get to the goal, this life continue. It will continue until your last breath, until you get there. Any questions? This is karma yoga, by the way. Does that make sense? Deepavan, make sense? Does that make sense? Look at life as one series, not just this individual life. If you can get your head around that. Number six, perform your actions based on your duty not just to be successful in life. Whatever your duty is, do it, your obligations. You should get pleasure and fulfillment from the action itself, not just from the reward. Enjoy the work. You're a human being, you're made to act. You are now acting, enjoy that action. Don't worry about the result. That is a icing on the cake. The result is the icing on the cake. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy whatever you're doing. Work done in the spirit of renunciation produces mental peace. Therefore, good results. If your mind is peaceful, the results are automatic. Work done in the spirit of renunciation what are you renouncing? Anyone? What are you renouncing? Work done in the spirit of renunciation produces mental peace. Therefore, good results. What are you renouncing? It's cryptic. Arunaben. Is it our own selfish desire? Selfish desire? You're renouncing the fruits, renouncing the result. So worked in the spirit of renunciation, meaning renouncing the fruit, not worried about the result. The fruit produces mental peace. The mind is not agitated. Therefore, good results. Your action is perfect. If you perform action in this way, it will take you to your goal in life. No matter what you do, whatever your job role. And if you don't, and if you do not act, you become idle, ultimately you destroy yourself. Action is the insignia of life. You have to act to live, to survive.
So act for the sake of acting. That is your business. You have no result, no right to the result. Why do you have to have motives? Why do you have to have? Why do you have to strive for the result? Just do the action. It's not easy to grasp this concept. But all around us, in nature, everything functions in this way. But we don't, we, don't, we don't realize it. We don't see it. Everything works in nature. Everything works in the spirit of service and sacrifice, except us human beings. And that's why we suffer from stress and worries. The sun gives heat, sun gives vitality, the clouds give rain. Do they have any motives? Rose gives off a beautiful scent, no motives. The birds sing, the earth gives vegetations, the trees give fruits. They don't ask for anything in return, they have no motives. So everything in nature behaves in this way. Only humans, only us have motives. And that's why we suffer in life. Suffer means agitations, mental agitations. Heaven or hell is mental agitations. And you're agitated, you say, ah, oh, I'm in hell. When you're not agitated, ah, oh, peaceful, calm. Any questions? This continues. Any questions? It's not easy, karma yoga. So when you have done your job perfectly, you don't need to worry about the result. It's only when you have not done it properly, you worry about the result. I remember, uh, so I'm just to give an example of a, of a school colleague at college, at college. It was a South Indian, I forget his name. What's his name? Ramakrishna or something, I'm not sure. And he goes, you're so uh, clever. And um, when they go for exams, the exams are 15 questions. And it says, answer any 10. So everyone must answer 10 questions out of the 15. So what does he do? He answers all 15 and say, pick any 10 for the examiner. He answers all 15 and says, pick any 10. That's how confident action is perfect. He's done his work, he's studied, he knows everything. Result, he's not worried about the result. So just do your duty, whatever your role is in life, and get out. That's it. Do your role and get out. Just like an actor on stage. As Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage. This whole world is a stage. All men and women are players. We have our entrance and exits. Lata Mangeshka passed away last week. She came, changed the world with her music. Yeah, touched everyone's heart. That was her role. She played her role beautifully. Dedicated. You can't think of a better singer than her. Dedicate her whole life. Now she's left. She's done her she's done her role, played her role perfectly and left. This is how we need to see ourselves in life. We're here playing a role. Play to the best of our ability and get out. No worries. Any questions? Yeah, so. So we don't necessarily just have one role. We have all different roles. I have a career, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a daughter-in-law. I have many roles to play. And if we're thinking about 
the list that you provided here. Is one sufficient for right action? Or is it that all of them have to be embedded for it to be a right action? Otherwise, they're not right action? We all have many roles. Play your roles perfectly, Ashfa said, sorry. We all have different roles to play. So we're acting in all those different roles. So we have to try and perform the best action in our capacity, with our ability in each of that role. We may not be perfect in all of them, but strive, keep striving to become better in all roles. Best wife, best husband. That's the first one, yeah? <laughs> best mother, best daughter. You know, that is, I mean, we're, like I said, we can't be perfect in everything, but deep inside, which we know we've tried our best. That person may not appreciate it. That's up to them. But inside, you know, you've done the best. That's all you can do. My daughter-in-law is better than your daughter-in-law. Doesn't matter. You've done your best action. That's all you can do. So after the Mahabharat war was over, they had a celebration. Everyone had a role to play in the celebration. So they asked Krishna, Krishna, what are you going to do? We all got a role to play. What will you, what will you, how will you help in the preparation of the celebration and on the day, what are you going to do? He said, I'll look after the temple stand. I'll take everyone's temple when they come in. So when people came in, they gave him their temples and he stacked them on the shelves. And everyone who walked in just stood there and watched him, got stuck at the temple stand. He was doing his job so perfectly, just stacking temples. Inside the hall, people are waiting to begin the celebration. Yudhishthira came out and said, Krishna, what's going on? Why are you keeping them here? Krishna said, I'm not holding them. I'm just doing my work. What it means that he was doing his work so perfectly. No ego, no motives, just perfect action. People could only stop and watch. He's a man of perfect action. Any questions? It's a lot to take in, I know. Don't worry, we will go more into detail as we go along in chapter three. Sorry, what was number three, please? Number three, oh, blimey, let me go back. First have small goals and then ultimately Goal to self-realization, build up under smaller goals. Okay, thank you. Concentrate on the action alone. Don't worry about the result. It may not be written like this in the verse, by the way, but from the teachings, what Swamiji teaches us in class, in our lectures, he doesn't just go and read the verse. He goes more deeper into it. And that's is where this comes from. So in the verse, it maybe doesn't go into detail as much. Hema, could you please read the... So we can't hear you, Hema. Problem with the mic? No. Okay, Emma, I'll get Syl to do it, yeah? Because we can't hear you. So I'll just say one line, and make sure everyone can hear you. This is one of the most famous and commonly can everyone hear? verses. Can everyone hear that? Okay, can speak a bit louder. This is one of the most famous and commonly quoted verses of the Gita. Herein, Krishna advises humanity to rise up from inertia. 
move beyond desire prompted selfless action and take up action dedicated to a higher ideal. Action is the insignia of life. The law of life proclaims that no one can remain inactive. If you choose to remain idle, you putrefy, you destroy yourself. Since you must act, perform right action. First, take up intermediate goals which will lead you to the highest. Most selfish goal of all, that of union with the self. Keep working your way towards your intermediate goal and then on to the ultimate goal of self-realization. Strive to continue forward, but always concentrate on the action at hand. Make it making it most effective. Do not mar your action by concentration on the success or future result of the action. Your life's motto should be strive to struggle and not to succeed. You must learn to choose actions to fulfill your obligations and not merely to gain immediate success or failure. Your business is with your duty only, never with the reward or merit occurring from it. Let not the fruit of action entangle you in your actions. Just be in the struggle. That is your bounden duty. Work for work's sake, knowing it will eventually take you to your ultimate goal. Work well, accomplished, is the joy of life. Be indifferent towards the pleasure or pain, joy or sorrow, honor or dishonor, which may occur out of your actions. Your life is enriched by accomplishment of right action rather than outward success or failure. Take up your work without an ax or grind. You must do what you ought to do in life Go about it with an independent spirit, like a sportsman takes to its, his sport. Work then becomes a pleasure. Pleasure or happiness lies in the garb of work. People do not realize the beauty and grandeur, grandeur of real work. They entertain worldly motives to work. They develop selfish desires and crave for the fruits of their actions. Such self-centered actions produce mental agitations and suffering in their lives. They do not achieve their ends. Therefore, learn to change your selfish attitude towards work. Drop your anxiety for fruit of action. Work bereft of attachment and craving is worship. This is true renunciation. Why should you have any motive for work. Work itself is most rewarding, most entertaining, most blissful. Work performed in the spirit of renunciation produces mental peace as well as the final results of your undertaking. Thank you. So, any questions? Right. Verse forty eight Yoga Sakuru Karmani Sangam Pyakvatananjaya Sitya Sityo Samo Buddha Samatvam Yoga Uchyate Yoga Sakuru Karmani Sangam Fadananjaya Sidya Sidyo Samobutva Samatvam Yoga Uchyate Steadfast in Yoga Perform actions, O Dananjaya Renouncing attachment and being the same in success and failure Evenness It's called Yoga Evenness is called yoga. 
So Krishna calls Arjuna Dhananjaya. Dhananjaya means winner of wealth. Dhan, wealth. Because Arjuna won many battles, brought wealth to the country. So he calls him by this name to make him feel that he is a great man, and he is a great man, and that he can achieve anything. Krishna says, Arjuna, you have to be steadfast in yoga. Arjuna, you have to be steadfast in yoga. Dhananjaya, you're a great man. You now have to be steadfast in yoga. So what does this steadfast in yoga mean? Any idea? Steadfast in yoga. Yeah, Nilam? Um, well, yoga means unite. So is it to be united with the self in all yeah. actions that you take? Absolutely. Yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yug, which means joining. Yoga means joining. Why do you have to join? It means you have to join because you have separated from something. When you take birth as a human being, you are separated from the self because you are the self. But as a human, you've separated from the self. Not literally. The self is within you. But you've separated mentally, intellectually. You have no awareness of the self. So all efforts to get back to the self is called yoga in Sanskrit. In English, it is called, anyone, what is called in English? Religion. Religion comes from the Latin word religare, which means to join back. So any attempt to get back to the self is called yoga in Sanskrit, religion in English. So anyone steadfast in yoga means they're pursuing the self. What are you learning on Sunday morning? We're learning steadfast in yoga. What? What does that mean? Pursuing the self. They'll say, you know what? I'll leave it to it. They'll walk away from you. I'm pursuing the self. Only a person who's steadfast in yoga, meaning pursuing the self, is a true spiritual person. No one else. Remember that. Krishna says, anyone who is steadfast in yoga, pursuing the self, only this person is a true spiritual person. No one else. So, any questions? Steadfast in yoga. You are all steadfast in yoga because you're all pursuing yourself. Now, how steadfast you are, I don't know. <laughs> but you are all steadfast. So, in life, we have to fix an ideal, a goal beyond our selfish desires, beyond our likes and dislikes. And the ultimate goal is self-realization. The biggest problem we have when we're trying to be steadfast in yoga, pursuing the self, the biggest problems we have is we can't get past our likes and dislikes. In all of us, when we're trying to pursue the self, that's going to be the biggest hurdle. It takes a lot of effort to overcome them. Because it's so ingrained in us from young age. We do what we like, avoid what we dislike all our life. I don't like that. I only like this. Everyone around us encourages this. Mom and dad, when young, don't give that to my child. He doesn't like it. He only likes this. Then you get older, your partner. You get married, your partner. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Honey, your favorite restaurant tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I'm taking you. Promoting likes and dislikes. 
whole life is like this. This is our biggest hurdle. Then we all have selfish desires. And human beings, we're all highly selfish, by the way. I'm not trying to patronize anyone. This is our nature. We are selfish. Then society also encourages that selfishness all around us. Gives you ways to fulfill your selfish desires. You can buy this, pay later. Okay. Buy now, pay later. It fulfills your selfish desires immediately. Immediate sense gratification. So throughout our life, this is what we're doing. So how do we change this? Any idea? How do we change this? How do we change our attitude? How can you be steadfast in yoga? How can you change the attitude? Any ideas? Nilam? Yes. So you well, yeah. I, I think it's an ongoing process, but from what we we're talking about last week, if you start your day or have punctuations in your day that remind you to be steadfast in yoga or united with the self, then as you go about your day and are presented with all these options, you might still do them, but there might be just something within you that makes you catch yourself or stop yourself. And the more and more that you do that, the more steadfast you become. Perfect. Perfect. Whatever action you're doing, have an awareness. Is this action helping me get closer to the self? Listening to this class right now, is it taking you to the self? Yes, follow it. If not, leave it. Every action you do, evaluate it. Is this going to take me closer to the self? While you're filling your obligations, by the way, yeah? Husband says, cook me a dinner. No, that's not going to take me to the self. Forget it. I ain't cooking nothing. <laughs> Every action should be dedicated to getting back to the self. So how do you do this? Krishna advises, we should not get involved in worldly affairs. Easier said than done. Don't be attached to the past. Worry about the future. Treat success and failure in the same way. It is part of life. Pairs of opposites. The world is made of pairs of opposites. When you, if there's success, there will be failure. You make money, you're happy. You lose money, you're miserable. Don't be dejected when you fail and overjoyed when you are successful. Let the mind not be affected by the pairs of opposites. Straight. Yep, I won the lottery, big deal. When you get involved in life, it only causes worries and anxieties. I just came up with this example right now. I won the lottery, big deal. The amount of stories you hear about people who won the lottery and their life's miserable. <laughs> Worries and anxieties. It's crazy. So not connected to anything in the past or future. Just concentrate on the present action. Without ego. It takes practice. You, know, you can't take, go away after this class and say, that's it, this is how I'm going to behave. It takes time. Concentrate on the present action without ego. So a person acting in this way, their mind is balanced, calm. They're not agitated. They're able to perform the right action. So performing the right action without attachment and worries, that is called yoga. And that will lead you to your goal. No worries, no anxieties, no attachment to the past, no attachment to the result. Just do your action, that's it. But how do we do this? Next verse explains that. Any questions?
I know it's a lot to take in. Nilam. Addressing Arjuna as Dhananjaya, winner of wealth, Krishna advises him to be steadfast in yoga, to perform actions without being attached to them, to treat success and failure alike. This advice could help solve the problems facing most people today. They run into problems because they involve and entangle themselves in their worldly affairs. They develop a clinging attachment to objects and actions. They run after success and shun failure. Their minds are torn between attachment to the past and hopes for the future. Worries and anxieties concerning their involvements virtually destroy them. They suffer from perpetual sorrow. People entrap themselves thus by developing a host of likes and dislikes from early childhood. As a child, you start entertaining certain likes and dislikes. Unfortunately, others around you encourage, nourish and nurture them. Your parents and friends feed your likes and support your dislikes. The same mistake continues later in married life. Your spouse and children again cater to what you like and discard what you dislike. With the result, these likes and dislikes develop into a powerful motor driving all your activities. Supported by the people around you, you do whatever you like and avoid what you dislike. You disregard your obligations to the world and to your own personal development. This approach to life destroys your mental equilibrium. Krishna shows a way out of this harmful way of living. Fix an ideal in life. An ideal envisages a noble cause, a common purpose, a higher goal beyond your personal likes and dislikes, the highest goal being self-realization. Work for the ideal thus set. Maintain consistency in your efforts to reach it. You are then practicing yoga. Yoga is union with the goal. Be steadfast in yoga. Pursue this line of action without developing an attachment to the action or a craving for fruits thereof. You will then gain mental equanimity. The mental equanimity or evenness of mind acquired through right action is called yoga. See, when your mind is calm, even you can concentrate on the action and you can go forward. The mind becomes sattvic and the goal can be achieved. When you're agitated, the goal cannot be achieved. Any questions? Okay, we do the last verse. Dure na yavaram karma Kuti yoga dananjaya Buddhau saranaman vicha Kripana palahetavaha Dure na yavaram karma Buddhi yoga dananjaya Buddhau saranaman vicha Kripana palahetavaha Far inferior to yoga of knowledge is action, O Dhananjaya. Seek a refuge in knowledge. Wretched are they whose motive is fruit. Wretched are they whose motive is fruit, Krishna says. So Krishna tells us how to do this, how to achieve this. Evenness, steadfast in yoga. He says to Arjuna, Arjuna and us, Use buddhi yoga. What is this buddhi yoga? Any idea? Buddhi yoga. What is buddhi yoga? Dharmesh? Use your intelligence. Intelligence. Use intelligence. Use your intellect. Buddhi yoga is the use of the intellect whilst performing action. So how do we do this? To practice buddhi yoga, what happens? The intellect pitches a higher unselfish ideal. Highest being self-realization. Only the intellect can do this. Then the mind surrenders to this ideal. And then the body performs action to reach it. This is buddhi yoga. 
intellect selects a goal, the mind surrenders to the intellect, the body performs action. This takes you to your goal. The opposite wrong action, which goes against buddhi yoga, is desire-ridden selfish actions. Why? Because selfish actions produces agitations and more, more important, selfish actions creates more desires. And you're trying to reduce the desires. You don't want more desires. You've got enough already. So actions performed with buddhi yoga, meaning the intellect, takes us closer to the self. Actions against buddhi yoga takes us away from the self. Krishna says, people that are following this negative path, they're on the wrong path. They're not living up to a human being. The main difference between the two, anybody? What's the main difference between the two? Following buddhi yoga and not following buddhi yoga. Main difference? Mind and intellect. Thank you, Sil. Intellect pitches up a high goal. The intellect reasons, decides, and then acts. After this class, the intellect will say, yes, it makes sense to me. I'm going to pitch up a higher goal. This is what Krishna has told me. And this is what I'm going to reach for. The mind then surrenders to that. And your body acts. Against buddhi yoga, it's from the mind. How is the mind? No reason. Likes and dislikes. Whims and fancies. No direction. Your action is not going to be right. It's not going to take you to your goal. Also, it says, only by looking within rather than extroverted activity can pacify the mind. The nature of the mind is such it can never be satisfied by fulfilling worldly desires. The more desires you fulfill, the more it will create. What else does he say? Our business is action itself, not the fruit. We've already covered this. Everyone is looking for the fruit. Krishna says, wretched are the people who look for the fruit. And that's everyone in the world, by the way. Everyone is looking for the fruits, the results. Putin is getting ready to invade Ukraine. He wants to take over. Results. So buddhi yoga means intellect, control in buddhi yoga means intellects control over the mind. And then it's perfect action. Also, it says, seek a refuge in knowledge. Seek refuge in knowledge. Someone, uh, Belaben, actually asked me a question. On the weekend, I went to see my parents and I met my sister who attends this class. And she asked me, why does it say in some Gitas, think of me or take refuge in me, meaning Krishna? Anyone? In some of the Gitas, it says, take refuge in me. Think of me. Why does it say that in Gita? Dharmesh? Think of the higher, not him, but the higher, the self in him. In someone, you can recognize yourself in yourself. Very good. There, in some Gita, it says, Think of me, take refuge in me. Here it says, Seek refuge in knowledge. So, for people who are devotional, following bhakti, they believe being devotional is being spiritual. That's the end. And for them, it's difficult to take in this knowledge. People who are devotional, it's difficult for them to understand this knowledge. They don't have the, may not have the capacity. So for those people, it says, think of me, Krishna. 
for Gyanis, people who, ha who are able to take in knowledge, people who are thinkers, all of you, it says, seek refuge in knowledge. See, what does Krishna represent? What does Krishna represent? Anyone? What does Krishna represent? Yeah, Ramesh? Self-realized soul. Self-realized soul. Krishna represents the most perfect human being. Represents a person who is all-knowing, knows the truths of life. We are studying his teachings. And from his teachings, we can all strive to become like him, a perfect human being, self-realized. So devotional people may not have the capacity to take in the knowledge and apply it. So for them, just to think of Krishna will keep their minds on the higher. Ultimately, Krishna represents the self, the reality, God. So thinking on me, keep your mind on me, you're thinking of the self. If Krishna represents the self, reality, God, you think of Krishna, you're thinking of the self, you're thinking of God. And that can't take you in any misdirection. It can only take you towards the goal, regardless if you're devotional or intellectual. Arunabhin. Sage Vyasa introduces the concept of Buddhi Yoga first in verse 39 of this chapter. Buddhi Yoga refer, here refers to Karma Yoga, the yoga of action, though the word Buddhi means intellect. By the time of the Mahabharata, Karma Yoga had deteriorated to mere mechanical rituals based on superstitious beliefs. Vyasa denounced those wrong practices and impregnated a new meaning and purpose into karma. His novel concept of buddhi yoga envisages the practice of karma, action, in conjunction with the use of buddhi, intellect. The intellect pitches up a high ideal. The mind surrenders to that ideal, and the body executes the action to achieve it. The highest ideal that one can seek is self-realization. Krishna appeals to Arjuna to follow Buddhi Yoga by dedicating his actions to an ideal. Opposed to Buddhi Yoga are actions undertaken with selfish motives. Self-centered, desire-ridden actions lead people to mental agitations and misery. Wretched are those who crave for enjoyment of the fruits of actions. The mind produces numerous desires. It drives the body to action for the fulfillment of desires. It craves for the enjoyment of the fruits of these actions. This process never ends because nothing can fully satiate the mind. Hence, the mind is often compared to fire. No matter how much you put into a fire, it will consume everything. It is insatiable. Such is the nature of your mind. Extroverted pursuits can never pacify the mind. In fact, they only inflame your mind. Therefore, seek refuge in knowledge of the self within instead of seeking satisfaction in the external world. Delve deep within your own self and gain the supreme satisfaction therein. Dedicate all your actions to this ultimate goal. Actions falling short of this dedication and seeking material benefits degrade your dignity as a human being. Thank you, Ramin. Any questions? Covered a lot today. Any general questions? You all have enough? <laughs> okay. Tuesday group discussion. Anybody wants to discuss this further? You can join us at 7.30 on Tuesday. We have a 
informal talk on the subject. Now, next week, the class at 10 between is at 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. I have an obligation, a duty. Therefore, this is also my obligation to take the class. So I need to change the time to 10 o'clock. Yeah. I hope everyone can join us at that earlier time. You should all be up at five o'clock anyway, so it should be all right. It shouldn't be a problem. We're all striving to be sattvic, so. Okay, great. I'll see you all on Tuesday and next week, yeah?